0: Here we go. This comes to us from our good friend Jordan Maywood. You call hamburger steamed ham. Yes. Hello, welcome to the Liberal Cube. Uh, My name is Jordan Maywood and I am the lackadaisical Liberal Cubicle. is the show? It is one in which I discuss nay, pour forth all the media I have consumed. Why would I do such a thing? Well, the theory that I am working under is that that if I don't, all that that information, all that data, all that input, as Johnny Five is wont to say, will sit in the dusty attic of my brain and slowly, or not so slowly, depending on the day and how much sleep I've had, will drive me insane in the membrane. So, that's what this is. One thing I should say, at the top of every episode, which sometimes I do and sometimes I forget to do, is that the potential exists that you not, you may not have consumed some of this media yourself, so I could spoil it for you. And that's not what I'm here to do. Do? Do, do. Uh good, clean, fun. I'm going to get this mic closer to my mouth. There, I think that's a bit better. Then I have to lean forward. One second. Adjusting. It's position. Okay, how's that? Yeah, that looks a bit better. Alright, uh, I'm going to push a button that will start a, a timer. Or not a timer. That's the old way I used to do it, with timers. Now I just push a button like this. Today's Movie Monologue sponsor is Giamatti Brand Dumpsters. Thank you for that sponsorship. Okay, just got two movies for this particular Movie Monologue. Uh, very, very different movies. Uh, I quite often like when there's only two, and then you can sort of get that uh, that really good juxtaposition, which is a fun word to say, um, between two very, very... In- just, just, just incredibly different movies. I've got Cold Souls and Dr. Giggles. Believe it or not, somehow, someway, I've watched both of these. I'll give you one hint which one is the better movie. Yes, of course, it's Dr. Giggles. No, it's Cold Souls. Paul is an actor who feels bogged down by his participation in a production of Chekhov's play Vanya. Uh, The Paul in question uh, is, of course, Paul Giamatti playing a version of himself. Uh, Whenever one plays a version of themselves, it's always uh, seemingly a sort of amped-up version. Uh, That's that seems to be the default. Take your actual real self from IRL, and then uh, bump it up a couple of notches. Sort of a a caricature esque, Uh, and that's what this feels very much. Paul Giamatti. ...being Paul Giamatti, and it's a delight. Uh, it's a movie I have seen. It's got to be second viewing, maybe third, if I had to guess. Uh, it's very weird and interesting, and I think that's why I like it. Uh, it all has to do with him just sort of feeling kind of blah, if you want to boil it down. And the theory is that it is his soul <laughs> that is making this blah feeling... Uh, So he has it removed through a unique process. A unique, somehow, scientific, somehow, we're not really sure how it works process. Uh, Which is interesting. It's sort of... uh, When is... You know what? I should look this up. Uh, Eternal Sunshine. So that's from 2004. And this is from 2009. Oh, you know what? That's weird. Because I would have guessed... That this movie came first for some reason. Uh, but a, a little bit of that vibe. I'm sure that's a com- comparison others have made before. Uh, I, I will say just on that note even. uh, It made me want to re-watch Internal Sunshine of a Spotless Mind. Because I haven't seen that. I think maybe I've only seen it once. And my memory of it is very, very vague. So uh probably, should I even make a note of it? Yeah, maybe I'll make a note of it. Okay, here you do. You're going to hear me making a note. Watch Eternal Sunshine. I will know what that means. I I won't just go out and look at the sun for a very long time. I will remember that is referring to the movie. Cold Souls, rating-wise, I'm going to go a solid 4.89. Oh, wow. Hey, you know that's a high rating <laughs> yeah just a just a good uh, incredibly acted interesting character study of a movie huh uh I, i've said this a million times probably uh that i don't know what i'm going to rate things like i, I don't pre rate my ratings i just sort of say how they come and you know that's what happened there not similar <sighs> To what's going to happen here when I talk about Dr. Giggles from 1992. Uh, Yeah, this is a bad movie. Is it so bad it's good? A little bit. Um, Watch this with the missus. This is probably for her, this is sort of what I gathered through our conversation and her desire to watch this, her very, very strong, (laughs) strange desire to watch this, that uh, this very much falls into the sort of nostalgia movie of her youth Uh, it's funny because I sort of pictured her when she mentioned that she loved this movie when she was a kid or younger, whatever, 1992 we were both born in 81, you can do some math there um, I, I pictured her like watching it at a sleepover and then <laughs> had a lot of validation to uh, hear that, yes, that was the case. And she's seen it a bunch of times sort of back then. So very, very interesting. It, it didn't seem like a movie that, well, anyone would like, really, because it's not very good. Um, but uh, The misses in particular, maybe, you know, she does love horror movies. And this is technically, uh, I see IMDB has it as comedy drama horror. I would take out the word drama there. Um, and maybe take out the word horror, <laughs> but it is pretty funny. Uh, let me read the IMDA. A madman mm-hmm, who believes he's a doctor. Uh, you know what? He kind of is a doctor in the sense that he knows many medical techniques and at one point even performed uh, surgery on himself successfully. I might add, you know, you gotta know your stuff a little bit to do so uh who believes he's a doctor comes to the town where his crazy father so we've got a madman and a crazy father uh comes to a town where his crazy father was killed and sue begins murdering people and becoming infatuated with a teenage girl who has a heart condition yes uh the crazy father uh, went crazy because he was trying to do the world's first heart heart transplant on his wife who had a heart condition. Um, And he was just killing people and taking their hearts, apparently. Okay, so one main thing I want to say, and this is probably the biggest knock of this movie, is it's so obvious what's going to happen on so many fronts that there were... I don't know if I hit the double digits, but I was definitely close, where I would say a line... Uh, and then that exact line would be said in the movie immediately after, because it was so incredibly obvious what was going to be said. Now, there, there is a sense of satisfaction when a thing like that happens, like, oh yeah, okay, well, I guess I know things, I guess, I guess me smart, question mark. But then there's that feeling of, and this happens, comes up a fair amount as well, that. Whenever it's a movie where I have no idea where it's going and no idea what's going to happen, those tend to be my favorites. Uh, they tend to get much higher ratings. Uh, I I like to be surprised and go on a journey. Whereas this felt like just oh my god, it's 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 bad. Um, just yeah, <laughs> and then uh, you know what I I didn't ask the misses, which I really wish I had of, um, like rating beforehand. And then rating after, because she said she probably hadn't seen it in like 20 plus years. So I wonder if that nostalgia sort of uh, uh, kept her in love with this movie, this, this very, very bad, bad movie. Um, the reason this came up actually is kind of funny. Um, we are working our way through Star Trek Voyager. And... Um, we're on season seven, and there's an episode where the uh, uh, the actor, the, the titular Dr. Giggles, uh, played by Larry Drake, I see here, he was in an episode of Voyager where he played basically an evil doctor. <laughs> and the missus noticed that. I, I didn't, because he had some makeup on. I, I don't know if I would have recalled anyways, because I, I do remember seeing this, but, but once and very vaguely... Um, uh, so it was kind of funny to see. And my, my thought process there was like, or, or, or I wondered if in the casting of that Star Trek Voyager episode where they're looking for an evil doctor type, did one person sort of uh, chime in with, well, we could probably get Dr. Giggles. <laughs> uh, as the name implies throughout the movie, quite often he giggles. Mm-hmm. Yep. Rating wise, this is a tough one. Um, because it's very, very bad, but, uh, there's, there's some laughs and there's quite a few names you'll probably recognize in this as well, which is interesting. God. Oh, okay. So it gets like a one with a- occasional glimpses of so bad. It's good. Higher ratings than one. Huh. Eh? Uh, Okay, let's uh, move on before I say anything real mean. Uh, The Mrs., (laughs) right before we started watching, too, she also said, Okay, don't say anything bad about this. So maybe I should warn her that, yeah, maybe I'll put that in the title. Ooh, title. Uh, Okay, so let's push a second button. Which one? This one here. Conan, the librarian. Don't you know the Duy Decimal System? Manter. Today's book banter sponsor is Chronomancy. Thank you for that sponsorship. Okay, if you have been following along, I decided uh, just post COVID, uh, post lockdown, to uh, make my way through the Dragonlance world. Basically, like I'm, I'm, I'm going deep. I'm rolling deep into the Dragonlance uh, uh, novels. I'm, I think. So we did the Meaning Sextet. And then we did uh, the. the I, I don't know what all this the, the individual series is, is, are called. So we did the Meaning Sextet. Then we did the trilogy of the, the, the dragon ones there. And then we're in this. I think this is the 10th book I've read in this series so far since the uh, uh, the, the lockdowns. Uh, This one is uh, Time of the Twins. Uh, It's apparently Dragonlance Legends number one, if they break them down. They break them down in some interesting ways, which uh, sometimes are a little confusing. Uh, This is, of course, by Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman, the dream team of uh, uh, fantasy novels, as far as I'm concerned, just right off the bat. I, I mean, should I even wait to give my five out of five? yeah i'll wait to give my five out of five rating that i'm going to give this book the first title in the second dra- Dragonlance dragon novel trilogy is now being released for the first time ever in a trade hardcover edition well that it's <laughs> not a very good description of the book i don't need to know what format it's in plus i read a, a, a ebook version of it so that's not even accurate for me featuring the stunning art okay well the cover was fine and design that graced the cover of the paper deck edition this new <laughs> okay well that is not doesn't tell me anything about the story uh okay so um it's about uh magic in time travel and a wizard graceland who wants to go back in time in order to learn from a wizard um, that had incredible magics that are sort of long lost and nobody knows how to do anymore so uh he's got some of this wizard's books But uh, he doesn't have all of them, and a lot of them were destroyed in the cataclysm. Which a, a lot of fantasy things have things like the cataclysm or the spell plague, or just something where like something really bad happened and sort of changed the face of the realm. Uh, very, very cool idea. Um, that gets used a lot, but uh, I'm okay. I've said this before cool ideas like that. I'm fine with because they are cool, even if they do get used a lot. Like um, meeting in the ta- meeting in a tavern to start a D&D adventure. Um, I purposely, for the first time I ever ran a campaign, uh, we did level 1 to 20 and we made it. So, you know, that's some bragging rights right there. Although uh, I do milestone and, and somewhat quick leveling. Um, anyways, uh, I, I did starting in a tavern uh, to start my campaign, knowing full well that it's what everyone does uh it's used you know probably too much but i wanted to do it for my first time knowing full well that was the case and just because uh well this came out in when was it first published 2004 first published 1986 so maybe it was somewhat new when this was first published in 1986 but you're going to see some tropes in this um And I think maybe that's one of the reasons I decided to read through these Dragonlance novels, is because it's that sort of comfort food, uh, uh, 1980s uh, fantasy trilogy that uh, if you know them, you love them. (laughs) Usually. Like, if you've read enough of them, you you, you know what to expect, and they just sort of uh, hit that sweet spot of... Turning your brain off, getting out of the real world, and uh, exploring a realm in your mind. Okay, so rating-wise, what should I give it? What should I give? Time of the Twins, the Twins being Rastlin and Cameron. <laughs> uh, Madgery? Oh, God. Names. Yeah. I, 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 Quite often, and I think I've said this before, fantasy names, when I'm reading a book, I'll like shorten them to like raced and, well, th- they actually call them race sometimes, raced and cam, madge, like I'll, I'll sort of shorten them in my head, so whenever I read them, I just sort of gloss over them and use the shortened, shortened version. Does anyone else do that? Am I insane? Don't answer that. Five out of five. Time of the... Twins pushing next button. Game Gabin. Today's game Gabin sponsor is the Kojima name generator. Uh, mine apparently would be Jack Burton Data. Interesting, interesting. Uh, okay, so I played, and not only played, but finished, like, immediately before I started recording this podcast, uh, Death Stranding. Uh ah, yes, finally became available for the PC. Did something I very rarely do, and that was purchased a game at full price on Steam. Uh, normally I wait until the games decrease, or for a Steam summer sale of some sort. Steam summer sales of some sorts. Um... But, uh, but this one really, when it came out, uh, uh, captivated my mind. Oh, well that's an interesting way of putting it. For it, a very interesting game. A weird game, which, uh, if you are at all familiar with the, <laughs> the, the, the makers of this game, Kojima and uh, the writers, and just basically everyone involved is a big weirdo. And I... Love it. As I often say on this podcast, uh, if you are a weirdo, I will like you. And uh, I liked this game. Uh, It was definitely weird. Um, Moments of relaxing. Moments of confusion. Um, One thing I wanted to say, and I know I give a spoiler warning at the top. But if you ever plan to uh, play this game... And don't want, like, the ending stuff spoiled. Uh, fast forward, you know, some minutes. Or, you know, turn it off. Whatever. I I don't care what you do with your life. Uh, but I, I do want to say there was something um, at the very beginning of the game that I guessed just sort of out of the blue that in the last, like, literally, practically the last scene of the game, um, like, post-ending credits that uh my, my my sort of shot in the dark guess proved to be correct and, and I, I don't even know why i thought this uh to be honest but uh, i have some pride yeah maybe that's what it is but interest it's, 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 it's an interesting thing that um you have uh, if you haven't played this and don't plan on playing it you have attached to your chest through the majority of the game a basically a baby in a jar that's a fun sentence to say. Um, And it it serves a purpose, which I won't go into, um, but let's just say it helps you through your journey. This baby in a jar attached to your chest that you're psychically linked to, of course. Uh, So when the game started and and I got this baby and I'm sort of seeing through its eyes occasionally and and stuff like that, I I thought to myself, wait a second, is this baby going to be me? (laughs) Is somehow... Am, am I this baby, and is this baby me? Is, is there some sort of weird thing going on here? And then the very last scene, we learn that, yes, that is the case. The 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 baby in the jar is you, I guess, in the past. You, uh, it, it's so confusing that, like, I literally had to, and it didn't even help. I had to look up, uh, uh, and I'm not alone, because there's a few out there. So that makes me feel a bit better. I had to look up, like, a Death Stranding ending explained, which every once in a while, you know, you get a movie or a game. I feel it's usually just movies, games, not so much TV or books. Um, Where you have to, like, go online and, and, and say, ending explained. Uh, Like, there was that what's that movie The Mrs. and I Watched where it was like a, a, a Jesus uh, allegory. Yeah, that was a weird one. Anyways, um, so, you know, I got that right, which was interesting. Uh, so, basically, you are playing a, a, a dude... Uh, uh, voiced, acted by Norman Reedus um, who's sort of traveling from east to west in the United States of America kind of sorta, kind of sorta um, and you're delivering packages and you're doing missions and uh, it's, it's very strange it's in a, a, a sort of post-apocalyptic pre-apocalyptic uh, trying to explain this game is pointless so I am not going to attempt to do so other than just to say um, if you've played other Kojima games uh, I, I think you'll be better prepared than if you have never played one because there's a certain style to them where it's almost like the reaches for logic are there but they are reaches. Uh, it's got a sort of feel of you know what? I think I had this thought too that if you ever played uh, point-and-click adventures uh, games like back in the 90s, um, sometimes some of the logic of what you had to do was just so insane that there's no way in a million years you would figure out without like looking at a guide or trying every single thing possible. Um, sometimes these games feel like a point-and-click adventure in the same sense that the reaches for logic are there... But they're so just insane that uh, sometimes you got to take a step back and go, okay, okay, I kind of see what he's thinking. Yeah, I guess that makes sense if you look at it from this weird point of view of an insane person. Which, uh, you know, that sounds like I'm putting it down. I'm not. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it's fun, it's cool, it's interesting to sort of look at things from this weird standpoint in order to try to wrap your head around what's going on in this insane game, death stranding five out of five. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really liked it. I haven't gave a, I feel like I haven't given a video game a five out of five in a long time. Um, but I just did. internet intercourse i like turtles today's internet intercourse sponsor is robin's boxes curiosity shop thank you for that sponsorship okay just got two internety items uh i've got a pro zelda breath of the wild player point crow yeah i've been having a strong desire to hop back into zelda breath of the wild lately and uh, I've been scratching that itch by just looking at videos of it online or, or maybe checking some streamers out on Twitch. This guy is on Twitch, Point Crow, uh, but I've mostly just been watching his videos on YouTube and uh, he's got some cool playlists. Uh, I really like him a lot, so that's why I bring him back because that's what I do in the Internet Intercourse section. Uh, he looks a little like one of my cousins, which is funny. He looks like if my cousin and Andy Sandberg had a baby he would look like this guy which would be difficult to do uh so apparently he's very good at zelda which uh, after watching a lot of his content i can verify is true uh one thing he's done which i like is he'll play some modded versions he'll do sort of uh, uh challenges he'll, like uh, one was uh, one in particular that i've i found interesting was uh the floor is lava he called it where um he went from, and if you've played the game, you'll know how impressive this is. If you haven't, you won't, but I'll just tell you what it is. Uh, where he went from uh, uh, every single tower uh, without ever touching the ground. Uh, like, how is that even possible? If you know this game and how far apart some of these towers are, how unreachable seeming without touching the ground they are uh it was quite impressive and uh, i recommend just from a a skill point of view um you know to check that out the other interesting ones are um him playing sort of dlc for the first time like the uh the trial the sword trials which uh god damn it um I beat the first sword trials, but I, I, I'm not good enough to beat the second one. And I, I sure as hell don't think I would ever be able to beat the third one. Like I've beaten the game. I've beaten every temple. Uh, I've got my you know, motorcycle. Like I've done well in the game. I, I, I've unlocked just about everything. Well, not really, but, um, I, I can't see a way that I'll ever be able to beat those trials. I'm, I'm just not good enough. So uh, <laughs> I want to like hire someone to like come over post covid i guess and and beat these like uh, i wonder if i know anyone who was able to do it and i can say okay well could you come do it on my <laughs> copy of the game please so i can have this uh, this thing done thanks that'd be great um maybe i can get uh, point crow point crow if you listen to this can you come to my house and and beat the the trials for me thank you and good night assuming you're listening to this at night which is a strange assumption. Uh, anyways, uh, moving on to a Discord D&D RP server. Yes, so, um, recently was invited to a Discord server where uh, it's all sort of a, a role-playing uh, a D&D, upload your uh, D&D beyond character, uh, and then you're just sort of uh, living and existing in this world so that resolves around a town called Oakenvale, interesting uh, I've never done anything like this I've done some um, offline RP in like Facebook groups or in my own campaigns uh, but but this is a, a, a that's sort of between sessions you know here and there just for like a little bit whereas this is a, a lot more dedicated to that I think they do or no I I know they do do actual sort of D d sessions as well. But that's not the focus. Uh, The focus is where... Uh, sort of every locale seemingly that, uh, exists not only in this town, but sort of in its environs, uh, has its own channel and you can sort of throw your character into one of the channels, like say the tavern, you know, to use an uh, obvious example. So, uh, the, uh, my character, for example, uh, I'm playing a satyr, which, uh, I'm going to get into that in a second, uh, who, uh, you know, he enjoys the drink, enjoys the party as a, a satyr quite often is wont to do uh so he started off his uh, sort of journey into exploring this town oh jeez, gross satyr burping i, I, I should have that out um in the tavern of course uh sort of uh, bought everyone around that was my uh, introduction to the to the town uh it, it, it's fun i don't know like I, i've liked it so far uh, I, I don't know how much time i will dedicate to it like so far it feels like something to you know you know, check in once or twice a day uh, and, and maybe uh, do a little rp but I don't know if it's, like, like, some people really get into it and spend hours and hours, which I, I, I could see. It's, it's almost like one of those things, and I feel like I should make a list of things like this, where it's, if I had uh, unlimited resources and didn't have to have a job, <laughs> uh, I, I, I would probably delve fuller into this sort of thing, whereas now it feels like uh, I, I've already got a lot of shit on the go. Uh, so sometimes it's hard to add and focus on other shit. Um, but, uh, it, it's nice to have, and I'm looking forward to exploring it further. I'm still sort of just, uh, figuring my way around a little bit and seeing, um, what's what in terms of, you know, uh, how, how to go about just stuff on this server. Uh, it, it, yeah. Okay. So let me read my, uh, character's backstory for you. I thought it would be fun. Uh, it, it's not overly long. Also, uh, Just before I do that, uh, we we roll stats in this uh, particular server, which uh, I haven't rolled stats in a while. Normally I just do um, point by, Uh, but I rolled friggin' crazy stats. Uh, Let me read. Uh, I've got uh, 11 in strength. That's my lowest. uh, 18 dexterity, 15 constitution, 17 intelligence, 14 wisdom, and 19 in charisma. Jesus Christ, that's high. Um, I don't know if I've ever had a character with such high stats, to be honest with you. Um, so because of that, I thought what I would do is you need pretty high stats in order to be a arcane trickster, sort of traditionally, because, um, just because uh, dexterity and intelligence being the, and then I sort of saw that, uh, satyr get plus two to charisma. So, um, once I read my backstory, I think it'll make a little sense. Uh, right now I'm just level one, but, uh, once I have my sub level one rogue, uh, I'm going to go arcane trickster at some point. Okay. Uh, reading time. Just because you may never have heard of a satyr interested in politics does not mean they do not exist. Chuzzlewit had an idyllic childhood in one of many small towns surrounding the city of Cormier. His parents ran a sizable inn called the Lost Harp uh, that had been handed down in their family for generations. The story that it has been passed down through the family is that Finder Wivernspurn himself played there and that his distant relatives were groupies who had such an amazing night of wine woman and song that there and then they purchased the inn with all the riches they could beg borrow and uh, find growing up in an inn known for its raucous revelry revelry is just about the best scenario for us out here. chuzzlewit quickly noted that it was Often not the bards or the barbarians or even the ale-loving doors that seemed to really let loose. Instead, it was the politicians. The sheriffs, the lawmakers, the city officials, and the mayors. Oh, the mayors. As much as he loved his parents and family, they all had to work hard to keep the inn in business. So when he found out that politicians don't have to do much work, all his do much work at all his fate was sealed and from that moment on he focuses energies on gaining some sort of political office uh it actually was not that hard you know what most people like charismatic satire you know what most people don't like dour politicians between the money from his family to pay for his campaign and his ability to genuinely like and be liked by just about anyone he could not go wrong and within four months he found himself the mayor of the town he grew up in uh, that is when the serious partying began even for satire sadder, satire many ways to say that uh, of just even for satyr of such appetites as he it was hard to keep up with keep up and when the budget for the entire entire town went missing quote-unquote he could read the writing on the wall and it said get away from here using the money you just stole and tried doing the whole thing over again because that was fun as hell I give you Mayor Chuzzlewit the third disgraced mayor I should say sort of a, a Ben Wyatt vibe in the disgraced mayor department Folks, that's it. We made it to the end of the episode. I thank you for listening. Uh, Assuming you did. Of course you did, because you're listening to this. Unless you turned on the episode and went right to the last couple of minutes. In which case, you are a weirdo, and I love you. It's nice to be nice to the nice. This is the end of the show. A sincere thank you for listening. Time to plug some things, and I do not mean buts. You can like us on Facebook. You can follow Jordan underscore Maywood on Twitter. You can subscribe and comment on iTunes. Lastly, if you would like to contact the podcast, you can email jordan.maywood at gmail.com. I would like to conclude that I am not a robot and that I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. Something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come and, babe, won't it be fun? the best is yet to come. Live long and prosper.